It's showtime. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. You know, the right to bear arms is because that's the last form of defense against tyranny. Washington is fundamentally corrupt. There are more words in the IRS code than there are in the Bible. Made in America, heard around the world. You're listening to Blunt Force Truth. I'm Chuck Woolery, along with my new co-host. Uh, Mark Young, by the way, is on the road uh, being brilliant someplace at, uh, what, what is that called? Coach? Something coach? What is it, Matt? Yes, sir. Dan Sullivan, strategic coach. Strategic coach, right. He's learning how to be strategic and uh, a coach. He does this all the time, doesn't he? And leaves me to do the show by myself, which is, you know, fun. You're so good at it. You know? Yeah, I'm so, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just so great at it. Anyway, we have a guest host today who's a friend of the show, uh, Bart Mar uh, Marcois. And Bart was on a, was on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he has some guests that he's bringing on the show today, and I'll let him introduce them. But in the meantime, uh, Bart, I'm watching, yes, I'm watching television this morning. Welcome, by the way. Uh, I'm watching television this morning, and I'm seeing all of this, all of these fences, uh, these these metal pieces that were bought by the Trump administration that are sitting idle uh, on the southern border, and the Democrats now are saying they're going to sell them. Yeah, yeah, they're getting they're going to sell <laughs> on them pennies as scrap. on the dollar. Yeah, they're going to sell them as scrap to Bangladeshi scrap dealers and uh, who will recycle it into uh, political campaign donations somewhere, or, or are they going to keep them in the Western Hemisphere? It's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable weight of taxpayer money, and it's a, it's a poke in the eye for every American that, that wants to see the border closed. And it's you know what they're doing is they're saying, we don't care what you want. We don't have no, to no. listen to you anymore. Our our policy is set. Our votes are in the ballot box already. And and there and there's nothing that you can do about it. That's how arrogant they are. Well, arrogant is the right word. And of course, uh, when you watch uh, all these Democrats in action, I don't care who they are. Uh, especially in leadership, they're just so incredibly arrogant. And all they talk about is uh, Trump's not interested in the American people, when in fact, that's exactly what he's interested in. And they're not interested in the American people at all. They're just interested in expanding government. You know, it's very interesting. I was thinking the other day, there's a, a line of delineation between Republicans and Democrats. Democrats want to, their desire is to expand the government. Come every time they get into office, just expand it, expand it, expand it. Some Republicans are like that as well, but not nearly like the Democrats are, and they won't admit it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Democrats, for them, government, government and the and the the, the uh so-called nonprofit sector, those that's the pinnacle of their their aspiration. They want power. Well, the, the interesting, the interesting thing is not only do they want power, but they want to govern everything, every everything. single another. So we have no freedoms at all, and it's it's reminiscent. In fact, it's absolutely the same playbook that Russia used in the old USSR. It's the same playbook that uh, China uses. Uh, when you when you dominate your country and every business that's in it, and everything is under government influence. Then you're home free. Then you you've got the world by or the you know by the tail, and that's mm -hmm. really what they want. So they don't really care about the American people. They care about the power and and uh, how much they control. And I it's, I it's it's amazing to me. I'm talking to my cousin the other day. This woman's a PhD. She's not a dummy. Uh, her daughter's a PhD. I think everybody in the family is, and they don't get it. They they vote Democrat. And I and I. She had no idea I was doing this show. She said, well, what do you do? What do, you do? And I said, well, I, I have this little thing on, uh, you know, podcasts is kind of about politics. And she said, oh, really? And we're, you know, we go back to as children. And uh, she's an academic, was, and uh, has no clue. In other words, as I talked to her, I didn't really, I just kind of felt around the edges to see what she knew. She didn't know anything. 
Yeah, you don't waste your time. In, in this day and age, we have more information available, good and bad, than we've ever had in our lifetime. And we have the most ignorant society on earth. They just don't know anything. And it's like they you don't know, really want to know anything. You know what the Democrats are doing? I had a staffer a long time ago, very smart guy. Uh, it was uh, in a Middle Eastern country. He was a Middle Eastern guy, um, incredibly bright. And if I asked him a question that he either didn't know the answer to or didn't want to give me the answer to, he would flood me with information that I had not asked for and wear me down and I would have to wait through it and ask the question again and he would keep flooding me with irrelevant information. Um, and it took me a few months to realize what he was doing. Well, that's the internet. That's mm -hmm. what the Democrats have done. We have this, we have the world's truth available to us at our fingertips. And rather than allow people to discover truth, they flood the zone with falsehoods and with manipulations and then blame and, you for it and but they make it so that yeah the truth is out there but you have to really know what you're doing to to sift it you're right this you, our, you've got to be able to guest, divide uh, the wheat from the chaff our our first guest today is an expert at that he is running against mitt romney for the senate from Yay. Utah. I must tell you, I'll be honest with you. There was a time when I liked Mitt Romney. I, I raised $951,000 for that goober. And, and I, did, I was not a rich man. I was I was raising it $500 at a time and, and $150 at a time. I, I, I had access I, I was in the, 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 you know, the fancy suite at the uh, at the uh, convention reserved for for all of the top donors because I had raised as much money as all the top donors. And one of his guys said to me, he said, you know what? He pointed at my badge and he said, turned to a, a friend. He said, this badge, that's the most valuable badge in this whole room. That's the one that's been worked hardest for because uh, I thought he was going to be great. And he went there. He went to Washington and forgot all about us. And Trent Staggs is the mayor of Riverton, Utah. Welcome, Trent, to the program. Yeah, welcome. Nice to have you here, Trent. And you're going to run Chuck against, uh, you're gonna run, run against uh, Mitt Romney, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. We, now, uh, let me ask you, is, after he's, I mean, I mean, I know that Utah is a very Republican kind of state it, it has been i lived there for a while in fact i have an ex-wife that lives there and my son lives there uh so i really know a little bit about utah and uh it's are they happy with it and the reason i ask this is some i i was talking to my ex-wife about something and she said well how about mitt romney i said oh no 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 you don't want to go there so i, I realized that there are a lot of people who don't really know Mitt Romney there. They know the old Mitt Romney, but they don't know the new Mitt Romney. No, they don't. Yeah, he moved to the state really just about six years ago or so to run for U.S. Senate, kind of uh, ingratiating himself. With so he didn't live here. there when he was doing the Olympics no. and all that? I, I don't even think he lives here now, Chuck, honestly. He's got residences in Florida and, well, he's and in other the, places. I've fished he's, in front of his house in uh, on Lake, uh, whatever it is, up in New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah, he really that's the problem. I mean, there are many he doesn't even recognize where many parts of the state are today. Um, I've been talking with several people since we announced just about five, six weeks ago that uh, are parts in parts of the state of Utah. They've never seen him. You know, he he just really came in, had name ID because of his presidential run, because of some involvement with the Winter Olympics back in 2002. But that's you know, what I remember him for. It was at uh, yeah. the Olympics. Yeah. And I think but, that's but what our people. Yeah, and I think to your to your question, people are wise to it now. They they're really disenfranchised with Mitt because he came out real strong and said he was going to do all these things, and he just hasn't accomplished those at all. Um, in fact, since we've announced he's down in the polls eleven points, he's only in the forty percent range amongst all voters in Utah, and he's got a seventy five percent approval rating plus with Democrats. So I think amongst Republicans, <laughs> he's maybe in the thirty percent range, and uh, we're we're going after it. We are the conservative in the race. Can and, Democrats uh, vote I, for him in your elections, in your state elections? 
we've had several Democrats that will register as Republicans. Yes, in the primaries, because we have a closed primary here. You can't you have to be a registered Republican to vote in a Republican primary. Um, there have been some efforts to try to shore that up. But there is a little bit of that crossover for sure that that happens here. And and I would say as much as, you know, 15, 20 percent of registered Republicans really uh, are, are either more Democrat or, you know, very, very liberal. And that's kind of his base right now. Interesting. He uh, so, just personally, he was just a huge disappointment to me. I voted for him uh, when he ran for president. I wanted him to, you know, I just, uh, well, sorry. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I'm hearing over and over, Chuck. I mean, the John McCain's the- and the Romney's and the, I mean, God, it's just a list that goes down of incredible disappointment to people who care about our country. Absolutely. And that's what I'm hearing as I'm traveling the state. You know, the polling data is the polling data, but anecdotally, too, just everybody is is wanting. Uh, Utah deserves another conservative like a Mike Lee. I mean, that Mike our, Lee's our state, awesome. Yeah. Our the thing I like about be, Mike Lee is he under he's under attack all the time, like Ted Cruz. If, if they're under attack all the time, you know, they're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and voters. You know, I in my launch video, um, I got about a 90 second launch video that we put out there. It's had a million plus views on Twitter. We've been contacted all over the country. It's not just Utahns that are that are interested in this race, but we've now received donations from people, I think, across 43, 44 states. They want a true conservative in this in this uh, this seat. But in that video, I just use Mitt Romney's own words against him. He had a video. He did just a couple of 30 second spots when he ran back in 2018. He had one entitled Fight For. And he said, if you elect me as your senator, I'll fight for Utah every day. I'll put us on a pathway to a balanced budget. I'll end illegal immigration. I'll stop federal overreach and spending. And I'll appoint conservative justices to the court. He hasn't done those things. In fact, he has fought against those things with more and more spending, which has caused all the inflation. He won't put us on a pathway to a balanced budget. In fact, he opposed Mike Lee's effort just in May on a letter he drafted, had 42 other Republicans sign it, including Mitch McConnell, sent to President Biden saying, we're not going to raise the debt ceiling unless we get substantial spending cuts and budget reforms. Mitt Romney wouldn't even sign that letter. So So Mitt Romney is to the left of Mitch McConnell. Yeah, I was going to – you mentioned the name uh, that's like Voldemort to me, but anyway, he's from my home state. Mitch, uh, yeah. Mitch McConnell. Uh, so, well, with 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 and he's friends with some of my he's friends with some of the people in my family too. They get very upset when I attack him. But uh, oh. here's here's the truth of the situation. Uh, I think that Mitt Romney probably was instrumental, primarily instrumental in the failure of the 2022 elections of Senate. Yeah, they blamed it yes. on Trump, but I, I really think it was Mitt Romney. It wasn't Trump at all. Uh, so here's the uncomfortable question for you, and it's it is uncomfortable. And how do you get Mitt Romney on board with you, or how do you get um, Mitch McConnell on board with you? Well, I don't, I'm not sure that I will. Um, look, I'm running as an outsider. I'm not an establishment guy. Well, he um, controls all the money. Well, I, we're we're just going to have to take this campaign uh, nationally, and we're we're. That's what we're doing. We've got a lot of contacts here. Um, I, a little bit about me. I'm actually from Utah. I'm, I didn't move here to try to seek this office. Um, I'm from elementary school to graduate school. I say I've attended Utah schools. I've raised my family here. I've got two children. Uh, I've, I've operated companies. I took a company public last year. was on the board of directors of the company. I helped get listed on NASDAQ. And uh, for the last 10 years, I've been in elected office in my community a city of 50,000 approximately, and have uh, quite built up quite a vast network. Uh, we're fundraising consistently uh, amongst the business community and people here in Utah and nationally. Uh, we picked up all kinds of endorsements from other elected officials across the state, from the Fraternal Order of Police. I've already got the police backing me um, and, and supporting. We picked up the endorsements of several conservative commentators and uh, things this, this coalition just continues to build because people recognize in my 10 years in office, I've actually demonstrated that I'm a true conservative. I've fought back. I say mayors on the front line of governmental overreach at the federal, state, and county level. I've been pushing back since day one. I've fought against mask mandates and vaccine mandates. I've actually cut taxes in my community. I've cut property taxes. I've cut spending. We've innovated to lower the cost of government and improve services. And I push back against inappropriate materials in schools. I've passed resolutions that support life. 
that oppose ESG, um, you name it. I'm a conservative, and uh, the you know everybody everybody knows that that looks at my record. So, so I'm I'm sorry to oh, kind I'm of sorry. take over this uh, interview, but I have so so many questions for you. Uh, that when as you that talk, I think, well, talk. how about this? There, there's a guy who used to live, very powerful media personal uh, personality, who I'm sure you know, uh, used to live in Utah. Uh, he mm-hmm. gained a lot of ground, became very, very popular, and then he moved to Dallas. And right. uh, I've done his show a few times. How are you with Glenn Beck? Do you know him? Yeah. I, I know of him. I, we've we have not talked yet. Um, you need to talk. I would I would love to be on his show. Yeah, we were just just a couple of weeks ago. We were on Mark Levin. We were endorsed by Mark Levin. I did. Mark uh, Levin's awesome. Charlie, Charlie Kirk. Um, you know, with Turning Point. Yeah. But but would love to get on with Glenn. I know he does have quite an influence here in the state. Uh, you should re- it, reach out to him because uh, well, he's got influence in her, you know nationally now. But, Doc, if uh, you uh, if you can help us get in touch with him, you know I can't. I, I really can't. I, yeah, I wish I could, I, but I can't. I, I don't. I, our relationship oh, you know, goes back. I, I know somebody who knows him well. Yeah. Um. I, I can. I, yeah, I know somebody who knows him. I can. I haven't uh, kept I up with him. Out. I did his show when he was back on Fox a long time ago, and I just did his show as a guest. I, so I don't really know him. But I have I've, a buddy who fainted on his show once. Uh, <laughs> that could happen Sorry. yeah <laughs> trent i told a few uh, people that i know you know i gotta say your record as mayor i can i can vouch for it because my daughter used to live in riverton and she moved next door to harriman and um and uh we stayed with her for quite a while separate, you know for a month out of every year the last few years and uh and uh, everybody there speaks very, very highly of you. And uh, I think you have about a 94% uh, approval rating in uh, Riverton and the surrounding areas. Well, let me ask you a question, because I'm not familiar Thank with you. Riverton. Where is Riverton located? It's it's about 20 miles south of Salt Lake City. Uh, so we're, we're just a good, you know, 20-minute drive or so, 15, 20-minute from, so from Salt Lake City area. Yeah, population of 50,000. We're in the fastest growing part of the county in the southwest kind of quadrant. Uh, Salt Lake County itself has about 1.2 million people. And being in office 10 years, you know, Bart, that's very kind of you to say. I, I appreciate that. I was reelected. I ran unopposed in 21 here. People like what we're doing. Uh, we've got quite the record, conservative record again, of actually cutting taxes, making government smaller, more efficient. And that's the type of approach I'd take to D.C., um, I have three themes on my site at TrentStags.com that people can go to and see more, but it's smaller government, safer families, and a stronger economy. And I think I can speak credibly to all of those. I've demonstrated smaller government. We need to cut taxes. Um, we need regulatory reform. Uh, regulatory re- the framework is is just way too burdensome in the lives of everyday Americans. Uh, I'm a big supporter of the RAINS Act that would preclude these hundreds of federal agencies from promulgating all these rules and enforcing them on folks without having congressional approval. I think it's it's obscene what is going on and how we have this, these rulemaking bodies that are creating law uh, with no accountability. And I, okay. I hear from business owners all the time. I'm a business owner. I took a company public. I hear from people all the time. I'm too small to succeed. There's too big to fail. But I've had so many regulations layered on me. I'm too small to succeed. So between that, taxes, smaller government, public lands is a big issue in Utah. We've got to get the federal government out of our public lands. They own almost two-thirds of our state. It's uh, it's really insane. People on the East Coast don't don't realize or appreciate how much of their own, you know, 95-plus percent often – that they own of their own states, yet the federal government owns 60 plus percent of Utah, 80 percent of Nevada. It's a huge, huge issue. But that would be my focus in smaller government, safer families, get rid of the Department of Education. We got to look at crime, I'm a huge Second uh, Amendment supporter, I'm a huge supporter of law enforcement. Like I said, they've endorsed me. And uh, we got to get wokeism out of out of government altogether. Uh, and some of these issues with respect to uh, you know, Title IX and women's sports, men and women's sports. I, I'm I'm a huge proponent of actually redefining that or making sure that we define Title IX in a way that it's tied to biological sex, because I am hearing uh, this issue coming up over and over again. Uh, we need to protect our families, safer families, 
is another huge theme uh, of mine. All so right, what's, Trent, what's, you just... What's the woman's you, name who uh, kind of heads up our women's soccer team, our national women's soccer team? Do you know what her name is by any chance? Oh, yeah, uh, Rapinoe, Megan Rapinoe. So she just came out and she said, I, I would welcome transgender uh, people to come and play soccer. Of course, after she got beaten by a high school team, you know, I yeah. bet she would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. literally a bunch of high school kids and guys over the, uh, you know, over the hill beat their team with like 12 to nothing. <laughs> it was like, so, okay, how, how embarrassing is that? Chuck, Trent anyway. said something really important there that I want to, I want to drill down into a little bit. You talked about regulatory reform and you talked about Title IX. I don't think most Americans know, and, and Chuck, I'll bet most of your listeners don't know how the whole transgender thing started. It started with an assistant secretary of education writing a dear colleague letter to principals of, of, of high schools and middle schools and to, and to presidents of universities. It was not a congressional law. It was not a. Um, it was not a uh, uh, a presidential decree. It wasn't even a a, a, a uh, an action taken signed by the Secretary of Education. It was just a letter telling all of these school administrators and school districts, dear colleague, from now on, the Department of Education is going to in- add interpret the word sex in Title IX that protects, that says you have to have equal funding and equal opportunity for all for both sexes. We're going to include gender in that definition, and we're going to include gender identity in the definition of gender. And so suddenly the meaning of that law that was passed to provide equal representation for women in sports and academia and everything by an assistant secretary that nobody's ever heard of. Nobody can tell you her name. He signed that letter, and that's what started the whole thing. And for six years, they had junior high and high school students um, being told that gender identity is what really matters. And after six years of that, it burst full-blown onto the stage because all those people suddenly had the right to vote. That's how they did it. And Trent, you said something about defining, clarifying the definition of Title IX, of sex in Title IX. Can you tell me more about what you mean by that? Yeah, I think that we need to just encode, we can codify it, the legislature can do this, or the, the Congress can do this, and and just define uh, that Title IX is tied to biological sex. You know, this the consequences of polluting Title IX with the concept of this gender identity, it's a I believe it's a threat to women's sports, to women's safety, and uh, to, to women's privacy. That's 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 three strikes, if you will. And mm-hmm. I I don't think it it does any favors to the women's right movement, the women's rights movements of say the 1970s to make it now a victim of uh, gender. Well, they don't seem to care. They don't seem to care. They're not pushing back. Some are. It's really baffling. I see. I see some uh, to include. You know, I've I've seen even uh, you know Jenner come out recently and. <laughs> Be, be very much against uh, males. You know that Bruce and I were very close friends. I have close friends with his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we used to fly together. We played golf together. We I've been he's been in my house. I've been to his house. I, I've known the kids since they were six and seven years old. The ones that are now forty. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what happened to him. <clears throat> that was all a mystery to me. That came as a huge shock. But uh, he's a he's a Republican. He's yeah. fairly conservative. He used to be more conservative than he is now, but but he's embraced this whole transgender thing, obviously. I saw him at the inaugural ball. We were standing in line next to each other for uh, Donald Trump, for President Trump. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. So, so, so defining, see, my question is, why hasn't Mitt Romney done that? He's been there for six years. He's watched all of this happen all you need to do is pass a law that says male sex means biological sex man means a biological male woman means a biological female and 
and there is no concept other than biological sex that is covered by Title IX. It's a simple law. Why isn't anybody in the Senate right now introducing a bill? Will you introduce a bill when you get there, Trent? Yeah, I'd be happy to sponsor that that piece of legislation. And to answer the question, why is Mitt? I you know who knows? I mean, Mitt does what Mitt wants. Um, he's he's not representing Utahns, the majority of Utahns, the majority of Republicans for sure that put him into office here just six, uh, five years ago that voted for him, and that's why I'm running. Uh, he he hasn't held up to those promises he made about balancing the budget, ending illegal immigration. Now he votes for Mayorkas, one of just a few Republicans that votes for this disaster of a Homeland Secretary, and and then yeah. he also said he's going to appoint conservative justices. You know, appoints Katanji Brown Jackson, who speaking of you know sports, women's sports, she can't even define what a woman is. Yeah, and we, you know, well, he, she's he not a biologist. Like she did admit that. <laughs> <You know. laughs> and he votes. I mean, it's there. There's there's records there that show he votes with the Biden administration sixty percent or more of the time. Uh, you know, Joe Biden supported or encouraged him to run for the Senate back in twenty eighteen. It's no wonder uh, why he did. Uh, so we need Utahns deserve a senator, a true conservative, another conservative senator from the state of Utah, like Mike Lee. Uh, that's what I'm hearing as I'm traveling the state again. We're getting all kinds of support, building a strong coalition. But we need uh, we need support. I mean, whether you're in Utah or not, you're a conservative. You want to see Mitt Romney out of office? You can go to TrentStags.com. Support our efforts, please. Um, we are again picking up more and more support every single day, every single week. I hope everybody listening today just drops what they're doing, goes to trendstags.com and donates $10. It's only $10. Just, and if you can do more, do it. But just go and donate $10 uh, because that kind, of, that kind of groundswell, the people of Utah want, are tired of Mitt Romney, except for the Democrats. And the truth is, if you get 20% of the Democrats crossing over and voting in the Republican, Romney is going to win it. And then he'll coast to victory in November because he'll be better than whatever thinking alternative they come up with. That They probably won't even run against him. And, and so the, the, the primary is what matters. You've got to elect Trent Staggs. And he needs money, and the people of Utah need help from everybody across the country. Um, and so I hope they, I hope everybody listening does that. Trent, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're happy to have you. We wish you the best of luck. Anything we can do to help. We can do the help. We'd be happy to do that. So, uh, thank you. you know, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate being on and <clears throat> to have the opportunity to talk a bit about me, my platform and, and how we can replace Mitt Romney with the true conservative. And, uh, again, the support is, is, is greatly appreciated at trentstags.com. Thanks well, so much, I'm Chuck. Over. If I lived in Utah, I'd vote for you, but I live in Texas. I can't, but, you know. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> like you've got some people, though, there that you could maybe, uh, y- you could maybe convince, so. Uh, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do our best. Thank you. Thank you, Trent. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, everybody. I want to tell you about a product called Vitalia Life, V-A-T-E, L-L-I-A Life. And that is the website, by the way. And and there'll be a link in the show notes if you're looking for it. This product from Vitalia Life, this is Nitric Boost. Uh, So what this is, is this is a nitric oxide booster. Why is that important? Because nitric oxide, which the discovery of it won the Nobel Prize some years back, several years back, is the first molecule that was discovered in the human body that communicates to other cells. And what nitric oxide does, it tells your arteries to relax, to open up, to have more blood flow. So it's critical for great cardio health, for great cardiac health. It also works for something else. So now I'm going to talk to the guys out there. A a lot of people use drugs for ED, stuff like Viagra, Cialis, uh, Levitra. These products... What those products do is those products actually help accumulate nitric oxide in your body and make it available for when you need it, or as they say in their ads, when the time is right. Here's the problem. When you take those drugs, if your body doesn't have nitric oxide in it, they don't work. 
They can only work as well as the amount of nitric oxide you have on board. So you want to have, if you're using these drugs, you want to have nitric oxide on board. Now, by the way, a lot of people will find out that when they resolve the nitric oxide problem, uh, they've literally resolved the ED problem and they don't even need the drugs. Uh, the other thing that's good about nitric oxide, uh, just so you know, it will enhance vitality, it's heart health, it will give you more energy, uh, can even help lower blood pressure. So I want you to take a look at this. This is great stuff. I take, I'm going to tell you right now, I take a lot of nitric oxide. Vatelia Life, V-A-T-E-L-L-I-A, life.com. You can go there and use the uh, promo code BFT, like Blunt Force Truth, and that will get you a 10% discount. Or you can sign up for the membership, and your first month, I believe, is free. I think you just pay shipping and handling. Uh, try it out. And uh, drop me an email, send me a note, let me know how you're using it and uh, how you like it. Our next guest is uh, Jim Penrose. And Jim is an incredible guy. And I, I warned him that I'm going to give him a hard time about his background. Jim is the former division chief for counterterrorism at the NSA, the National Security Administration. He is the guy who kept godless communism. And, and radical Islamic um, uh, militants from your doorstep for so many years at the NSA. He's the guy who, who he created the counterterrorism division after 9-11. And Jim, I, and I believe, is the youngest person ever to become a, to join the senior executive service. How old were you, Jim? 27? I was uh, 29, and I, there might be one younger than me, but I was definitely one of the youngest, for sure. Okay. People can't see this, but you look like you're still 29. I'm sorry. Well, thank yes. you. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the missing piece to that. And the question you're asking yourself is, well, how old were you when you joined the NFA? How old were you, Jim? I was, I was 18 years old. I was a sophomore in college when I got that first letter. And, of course, it was the only hard copy piece of mail I got that year. <laughs> so, Chuck, when you hear that a guy joined the NSA, was recruited by the NSA when he was 18 years So there old. had to be some kind of something in your background that uh, yeah. that they saw. What what was it? What was it that uh, at an 18-year-old, which is a kid, really, uh, joined the NSA, and what, what were the credentials they were looking at saying, well, you're really special, and we want you to be on our side? Yeah, well, these these are the days before cyber operations were part of our lexicon. So I was a, a computer science expert, and uh, back even when I was 18? in high school, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I when I was in high school, I actually started working on this stuff. I read a book by a, a guy named Cliff Stoll called "The Cuckoo Cuckoo's Egg," that was about Russians penetrating uh, computer networks and U.S. universities, places like Berkeley and, and, and other locations doing DOD research. And I, I thought it was fascinating. And it turned out that I had the opportunity to work with some of those experts who investigated it, who were at the Army Research Lab. So when I was 15 year old, I was working as an intern at the Army Research Lab at the Aberdeen Proving Ground in Maryland. And I got to work with some of those experts that had researched and tracked back that hacking all the way to Russia. So um, I, w I wanted to do that so bad, Chuck. That's what I wanted to do with my life. And I wanted to find a way to find bad guys and, and, and track them back to where they were and then, you know, take the right steps to to bring them to justice. So, and that's and that's ultimately what I got to do, um, you know, and thank you right for being a taxpayer and giving me the chance to do that for the government. <laughs> you're, well, you're entirely welcome. So uh, the NSA. Well, NSA, NSA with everybody else in Washington has got a bad name. Uh, not probably as bad as the FBI and the IRS and the DOJ and many other, you know, alphabet groups. But the NSA really does have kind of a, was it Clapper that was head of the NSA? Was he head of the NSA when he testified before Congress and said? He was uh, the director of national intelligence at the time. Yeah. And he was, he was saying that they, they didn't spy on anybody in the united states of course that was a lie we know that so but he was connected with the nsa correct i mean he had to be if he was over well, the, DN, the dni leaves the entire intelligence community so <clears throat> right the uh, the head of the whole intelligence community yes so where do you how do you see this today or do you follow what's going on still you're not with the nsa today are you 
No, no. Uh, today I run my own consultancy called Tenacity Cyber. And really I, I do um, consulting on open source intelligence and helping people understand the various cyber threats that they face. So, you know, my my opinion of the people at NSA is that the ones doing the work are, you know, moral people trying to do the right thing to protect our nation. Right. And don't ever, you know, misconstrue, right? You know, political activities that are beyond the scope of the of the average employee who shows up and wants to catch bad guys or, or stop attacks or, you know, thwart the, the plans of the Russians or the Chinese. They're all good people doing their job and they don't want to violate the, the Constitution. I'll tell you that, you know, for sure, 100 percent. What is wrong with these people who are uh, head of administrations? Uh, and they were that way, by the way, in the Trump administration, too. He had problems with them. Uh, I mean, great example that Michael Flynn trusted uh, James Comer. Probably one of the most unintelligent things he ever did, but he trusted him because mm -hmm. he was head of the FBI. And, you know, he was one of the good guys when, in fact, we found out he wasn't one of the good guys at all. I can answer that one. Uh, okay. That's uh, that's a question of the the. Um, manipulation and penetration of the senior executive service. Uh, the, 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 these are the generals and admirals of the civilian service. They were all, the, the, their, their ranks were salted with leftists by, by uh, Obama and by uh, Clinton before him. So all of the people who are the ones that, that the common bureaucrats take their orders from 70 to 90 percent of them are hard leftists that were handpicked from the bureaucratic uh ranks as they came up and said you you're a committed leftist we're putting you in this position so that it doesn't matter who the political uh, people are it doesn't matter who the president is you're the one that all the career people are taking their orders from did you feel that when you were at the nsa i mean did that play into your career and how you felt about your career and what you were doing? Yeah, I mean, actually, so so by the time I had um, I, I had left the agency in 2014, I hadn't ever experienced that directly. My my work was really devoted to the the full throttle of counterterrorism after September 11th. So in that scope, I didn't I didn't feel that particular situation that you're talking about, but just because I didn't experience it personally, Chuck. Um, if I had the opportunity, though, I'd love to talk about some of the threats I see today that are the the biggest ones. Mostly, my next kids, question right? was, "What keeps you up at night?" Yeah, yeah, because because what's keeping me up at night are are my kids that you see on the wall behind me, Chuck. <laughs> um, and it's because they're they're growing, right? You know, they're they're elementary schoolers uh, that are headed to middle school, and now my daughter's going to ninth grade this year as a high schooler. And um, you know, my cyber cyber operations acumen, right, is what I've you know made a career out of. But what I've realized is kids are facing the biggest threat today, right, when it comes to information operations that we've ever seen. Uh, and, 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 you know, if you think about sort of the Russian technique of active measures and, and what they've done to influence America and try to beat America, it has a lot to do with, um, you know, targeting our kids. And that's pervasive. It's not just the Russians. The Chinese have a policy of unrestricted warfare as well that definitely targets, um, targets our youth and tries to influence them. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about that because I think parents who are out there and, and and especially men who are listening to this today, they need some pointers on on how to deal with this. And and the first thing I want to say is like we're going to be talking about taboo things here for the next few minutes. I'm going to throw a shoe every taboo and we're just going to talk about things we need to talk about as men. Why? Because it's important, right? Um, so the brains of uh, of kids are influenceable, right? And obviously, they're very, um, you know, very sensitive at a young age. And today, you know, the internet is just chock full of age inappropriate material. So I'm talking about things like pornography in particular. Um, it is so easy to come upon on the internet. And the way that the algorithms work, these are, you know, pictures are going to be recommended and brought to them um, by the likes of Instagram and, and on Twitter and all these other social media platforms. Um, and, and kids are going to have to, you know, cope with what they see um, generally in the absence of any kind of parenting or instruction, right? Unless you get actively involved. So this is my encouragement is dads get off the bench. You have to get in, especially with your boys on this, because 
uh, addiction is a real thing. And what's going to happen is if you don't get engaged and you don't sort of talk to your kids about pornography like it's a drug, this is going to this is going to be a, become a problem where they they develop an addiction over time. Um, and the most sort of salient thing I want to mention is the drugs up here in your brain, right? You, when 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 kids kids have that euphoric experience uh, of of looking at pornography and going down that wrong path, they're going to be able to kind of get themselves that high. Uh, and, and it's not by taking an external drug or going to your medicine cabinet and stealing something, right? So that's kind of the thing that's keeping me up at night, right? With my family and the cyber threats we face. And I wanted to take uh, a few minutes, uh, you know, if, if you'll indulge me to talk about some of the strategies that I'm even employing, right? As a cyber oh, operation. Absolutely. That's why you're on the show. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, so here, so here's what I'm, here's what I want to just mention, right? There's really two things to think about, right? One thing is what the kids are looking at online. And the second thing is who they're talking to online, right? So these are the two substantial issues that you have to consider as as a parent, especially as a dad in this context, right? So let's start with what they look at. Today, um, you know, if, if you want to be in a position where your elementary schoolers just don't have, you know, free reign on the internet, the first thing you have to think about is if you're using, say, an Apple device, so I'll talk about Apple because it's so ubiquitous, you have to think about turning on screen time, like right now. You know, after this session, go home and Google it. Look at the YouTube video on how to enable screen time controls on your kids on your kids' devices, and then you have to make sure you go into the the content and privacy settings and set those age uh, restrictions to be where they ought to be for your kids' level, especially if they're in elementary school and they're um, you know <clears throat> not even in high school yet. You want to make sure you restrict that uh, substantially. Now, of course, there's going to be people that say, Jim. Um, kids are going to grow up and eventually they're going to go out in the real world and there's going to be no restrictions. They're going to be adults. I completely get it, right? I'm not I'm not saying that you don't, you know, over time, loosen the restrictions as kids get into high school as they're getting on their road to college. But as a parent, we've got a responsibility to, to make sure that, you know, the kids don't have drugs in their room, essentially, right? And they're not going to do dangerous things uh, when your back's turned because we can't pay attention. We got to work and we got to do, you know, our responsibilities. So um, talking about this stuff is, is is going to be job one, right? Well, job one. You, while, while you're talking about this, give me a demo. I have no idea. <clears throat> I'm 82 going on 83. I, I, I'm way past my kids are all grown up, but there are fathers out there that their kids are not grown up. They have no idea how to do this. I didn't even, I wasn't aware that you could actually do this. So you can save your children uh, in what they, what they're allowed to look at, what you allow them to look at, I should say, as a parent. Uh, but right, do you, how how do you do this, and how yeah, do you achieve it? I'm 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 happy to to share my screen and show you a little bit about it if you'd like. Um, it's a yeah. it's something that I can do right now, but I need my uh, sharing enabled. Well, of course, you know uh, we're more audio than visual, so all right. So okay, so so I'll I'll do it audio then. So you know when you're in your iPhone right you're going to go to your settings and, and your preferences and then search for the word screen time when you click on the word screen time it'll actually give you a number of different options that you can choose including when your device can be used like hey it's only available from you know you know it, between the hours of 9am and 9pm for example and then you can say i want to restrict the content i want no adult websites for instance is is one of the options or i only want them to be able to see TVPG level content. All these different things are available in there. It's like a, just a, a bunch of pick lists and you can choose the level of detail that you wanna have exposed to your kids. So that's all great, right? Like like that helps to control what, what they're looking at, but that doesn't control who they talk to, right? So I just wanna give some sort of broad guidelines that you might wanna think of as a dad, if you're in my shoes about how you talk to kids about who they're talking to online, right? So use use this test, right? That if it's a person you know in the real world, it makes sense to be able to you know add them on your phone and to communicate with them directly. If it's somebody you've never met and you've only seen them on social media, it doesn't make sense to be in direct communications with them. That's a good rule of thumb, right? If you just want to help your kids understand you know online safety and and who they should or shouldn't talk to. Now, of course, there's always this question of photos, right? Kids taking pictures of themselves and what they put in their pictures, right? And and honestly. You know, a lot of the predators out there want kids to send 
naked pictures of themselves. It's sexting, right? That's exactly what they want to do. And then they can be, um, you know, abused and bullied with those pictures, or there can be, you know, some kind of extortion later in life if they're older and going to college. But the bottom line is it's extremely unhealthy, right? And this is how kids end up with anxiety and depression and all the things that lead to, you know, self-harm in many cases, especially suicide, right? So another rule of thumb you can think of is what would you say, um, you know, if you were sitting with your grandmother for a Sunday dinner, right, and you wanted to show her some photos on your phone, what would you show her, right, as a kid, right? You're talking to your kids now. What would you show grandma, right? If you're not willing to take your photos in the library and show grandma the pictures you've taken of yourself in different scenarios, you shouldn't be doing it, right? It's just, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's not appropriate. So, you know, I, I just want to put that out there. It's, there. There's a cyber side to everything, right? I can talk about technical controls and all the, the whiz-bang tools that are out there to help with this. But at the end of the day, as an adult and as a father, you got to talk about the hard stuff with your kids. And 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 these are just some simple ways to frame it so they can they can get to the bottom of it and, and have a real honest conversation with you. So, uh, so what, what we're up against as families today, uh, is, as I see it, is that it used to be, I remember my neighborhood when I grew up and my friends and we were all in the neighborhood. Now the neighborhood has been extended to the world. And we don't know these people. These kids don't know these people. They don't know half of the people they're talking to or listening to or anything else. And and enmeshed in that is a hip-hop culture, which is very, you know, I mean, please, it's off the charts with some of the things that you see. And so it, it's it's so difficult to reduce that, that elite national neighborhood down to a personal neighborhood, which is far more healthy. Uh, my mother used to say, show me who you go with. I'll tell you who you are. So 100%. I had certain friends that uh, I would bring home and uh, my my parents would look at me and say, look, that, that's not a good kid. You, you don't want to hang out with that kid because other people will judge you by, you know, what this kid does and because you're friends with him. So they were very protective that way and and wise as well. And today it's extremely difficult to do that. Uh, because right. everybody is talking to everybody as if they're friends. They're not friends at all. Right. And then on the flip side of the coin, people go from immediately being, you know, hey, we're in an affinity group together. We're birds of a feather to turning the guns on each other. In some cases, literally, because they hate and they hate the other people who don't think like them. Right. So we've lost that you know, normal debate that you would have in the real world when you see somebody eyeball to eyeball to, you know, you've dehumanized and objectified the other person to the point where, you know, you're making threats without really even getting to that next stage of, of understanding who the people are. So I completely agree with you. And, um, you know, I, I just wanted to mention another thing about pornography because it's so it's so damaging to the psyche of kids. And um, it's a hard topic to talk about, right? Like, like I'll tell you, you know, it wasn't talked about in my household as a kid, right? It was just an assumption that we knew it was bad and to stay away from it, but there was, was never really explained. So I wanted to just show a book and I, I don't have any financial connection to the people who wrote this book, but it helped me talk to my kids about it and I wanted to share it. And it's called um, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Uh, and it's written by uh, Kristen Jensen. This book is helpful because it gives a framework for dads to talk to their kids about this kind of thing. It's an awkward topic, right? Like whoever wants to say the word masturbation in front of their kids, nobody, right? No dad wants to say that in front of their boys, right? But it's a responsibility, right? We got to step up and do the hard thing as men uh, and, to, and to lead our families. And of course, girls are not immune to pornography or those kinds of things either. But it's a big part of that fantasy world you talked about, Chuck, where people veer off out of the real world into a fantasy place. And 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 it's literally an economy now, right? Like Meta is talking about the metaverse and, and people living, people are having entire relationships and falling in love with artificial intelligence. This is destructive, right? It's 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 going to destroy our society uh, and, and it's going to get at the core and, and rot us out entirely. Well, the more we become isolated, which is happening more and it's on steroids. How we're isolating people and and through that isolation people are reaching out through you know uh, google uh facebook twitter uh thread uh, whatever is out there and they're connecting with people because they're so isolated they think they're making friends they're not really making friends at all because there's no human contact 
with any any of these people. It's just sharing of ideas and whether I'm popular or unpopular or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, and and so I think part of changing so our it's fantasy. It's not real. Yeah, it, it is fantasy, right? And 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 part of removing yourself and and restoring integrity is accountability, right? And think of of, of, of being a man and how to be accountable in this mindset. I'm trying to think about with my own kids, how do I help them learn how to be accountable, right, to other men they trust and who they're going to share with, you know, intimate details of their lives, right? And, you know, there's a tool out there. And again, I have no financial connection to these people. I'm just telling you what I use. We use a tool at home called Covenant Eyes. And, and the point of Covenant Eyes is to have a way to notify. Did you say Covenant Covenant eyes, covenant eyes, covenant oh, like covenant, God's covenant, covenant with like us. covenant, yeah, okay, covenant eyes. And what covenant eyes does is it it gives you the ability to inform accountability partners if you've done something right that's inappropriate and you're going down that path of getting in, enthralled in that fantasy world of say pornography or, or or something else that would lead to self harm or or you know getting yourself into a place where you could be suffering from sextortion or something like that, right? So I, I like that as a as a way to teach and train the kids on how to be accountable as a man, right? Because as a man, if you have a secret and you hide it, that's where it becomes a vulnerability and can be exploited. And it ultimately leads to moral behavior and 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 and, and the meltdown, right, of your of your family and society, right? So what I want to do and, and I think what I'm encouraging all men who are listening to this to do is figure out how to help your kids learn accountability and how to be accountable and live a life of integrity. Because if you're te teaching them that it should be a secret and it should be concealed, that's going to ultimately be the way they behave and the way they grow up. And, and I, and I just want to shine the light on it now and show some, you know, good men out there who want to do the moral thing the right way uh, to increase accountability and visibility for that purpose. You know what the greatest thing about this conversation is, is what you're saying is you don't have to be a cyber expert to keep your kids safe online. You have to stand up and be a man. You're 100 percent right, Bart. That's what it's all about. It's and it's so what's under what's thing. under attack by the left today? Man, you know, manhood. <laughs> That's yeah. what's under attack. So think about it. It's yeah. It's we got to go ahead. Stand tall. We got to stand tall, and and I and sometimes these conversations will, you know, they're going to be taboo, right? People don't want to say, you know, you'll talk to a lot of men who say, you know, I don't have a porn problem, right? And that wasn't an issue for me, and didn't lead to the the things I did that were harmful to my family or others. But it's not really true, right? If you peel the onion back, you'll find that's not the case. And 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 what we want to do is stand tall in the face of a society that tells you that's normal and tells you that fantasy is fine. And that says all these people who have souls that God gave them and the indwelling of the Holy spirit, they're not people, they're objects. Right. And they want you yeah. to think of everybody as an object. We're not objects. We're human beings and we're special. We're children of God and we can never lose that. So we're under attack today. And I think there's a good reason for it. And I think oddly enough, I think the one guy who's really nailed this down, and I've mentioned him on the program before, I'm going to try to get him on the show. I don't know whether he'll, he's pretty big now, so he may not come on our show, uh, is Jonathan Kahn. Are you familiar with Jonathan Kahn? No, I'm not. What did Jonathan Either Kahn one of you? No. Okay. Jonathan Kahn is an author. He's also a rabbi, and he's also a pastor. Hmm. He's a converted Jew. He's hmm. a brilliant guy. He's gone back through ancient history, and he's connected what he calls the unholy trinity, which is Baal, mm -hmm. the enchantress, his wife, and the destroyer. Mm -hmm. Those are the three people. The enchantress, which was Artemis and all of these throughout the ancient world, uh, it was in Greece, it was in Rome. They all had different names, but it was the same mm -hmm. spirit. Ashtaroth. Yeah, the same spirit besides the same god. So he has a book called Return of the Gods, and he's saying, once you take God out of the equation, these demons who were literally put to rest when Christ came on the scene literally have come back, and they're here, and they will fill, they fill that void. And what you're seeing nationwide and worldwide is the impression of Artemis, which is the enchantress, uh, and you're talking— she was transgender. I mean, when you look up and see what the Enchantress was, she's everything that we're talking about today. 
Yeah. In the sexual realm, everything. Uh, Baal, we all know who Baal is, if you've studied your Bible at all in the Old Testament, and uh, his confrontation with yeah. Elijah. So we know that we know that I don't think a lot of our audience maybe be aware of it. But what he's saying is, and I think it's I think he's nailed it, is that we have opened up the opportunity for these demons, principalities to come into our world and into our our cities and into our homes, into our schools, into our government. They literally are having a major influence, and we don't know what's going on because all we're doing is running around saying, well, this just isn't normal. I, what's happening? That's what's happening. That's what I believe anyway for, you know, you can make me. Yeah. And, and, and Chuck, I may not be a, a scholar, but uh, when it comes to religious issues, but, you know, you have to keep the first thing first, you know, God, and then the second thing would be family and then country, right, in that order. But you also and, have uh, to understand the prince and prince. I mean, when he said we've, we war not against uh, powers, uh, no, against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. We're talking about stuff that people don't know very much about, unfortunately. And those powers and principalities, if Satan is the power of the air and— he is. I mean, you've got to all of a sudden you've got to embrace this and say, okay, this makes sense that this stuff is happening because if it's not this, what else is it? Have people just gone completely nuts? I mean, you have to admit we're looking at our society today. We're looking at the world. We're looking at our culture. It has literally been turned on its head. Yeah. So it has. something significant is happening. Yeah, I, I I agree. It definitely is the case. And if we could, you know, find a way, right, to to focus on God again and to bring back um, that focus, because our expectations of the world and worldly things will always be disappointed, and and, and we'll always try for more, and we'll always seek, uh, you know, a worldly approach to ameliorate whatever problem we have in front of us. But it's never going to work, right? The world can never satisfy, right? And and if we can put God as number one, then we can we can get back on that path and strive and for the next So resistance we... is not futile, Chuck. In my mind, right? I I reject that statement of the Borg in Star Trek. We have yeah. to resist, right? Well, We're obliged as men to resist. It's not as if this hasn't happened before. It certainly happened in Israel when they turned away from God. And guess what came in? Baal, the enchantress, yeah. and the and the destroyer. They all came in. And fill those yeah. spots. Even even with Solomon's reign, they were there because he yeah. had relationships with women outside of Israel. His what three hundred concubines or three hundred sixty concubines and three hundred wives and you know it's just... and you're right. It's all the same teachings. It's all the same practices. It's all the same patterns that we saw in the Old Testament. People who read the Old Testament, who read the Bible, understand it. Those who don't have no idea what we're talking about, but they're being affected by it nonetheless. Well, I mean, we normally don't talk about these things. It's unusual. Occasionally, we have lately because I've been bringing it up. But uh, Jonathan Kahn, C-A-H-N, by the way, uh, is a very interesting guy, very smart. Uh, he's researched all of this stuff to the tent. I, I think Jonathan Kahn may be, I I'm not reluctant to say this either, he may be a prophet of our time. And he's going to be tested, and I think he's going to come out winning the test, which most prophets don't, false prophets well, especially. But with the name like Khan, it means he's a descendant of Aaron. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know the 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 ancient uh, priests of the of uh, Judah. Well, or, or of I, I would I both of you I would say you know if you get a chance read Return of the Gods. It's a it's a great it's a great read. It's very informative. Number one. And it'll put you in touch with the Old and New Testament as far as that's concerned. And really kind of give you an overview overview of his particular uh, dissemination of what he thinks is the truth of what's going on today. Thank you so, so much. Just a, just a suggestion. No, that's great. I'm going to I'm gonna go look that up, and it's a good book to read, it sounds like. Um, oh, it it is. He's also got the Harbinger 1, the Harbinger 2, Return of the Gods. He's got three or four books out there. He's a real smart guy. Well, it's a pleasure joining you guys today, and I, I look forward to uh, to talking with you all again. And uh, again, I, I appeal to men everywhere, stand tall for the sake of your families. We need you. We need you thank bad. You. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. I'd like to thank both of our guests that have been on today, and uh, 
Folks, if you can support them in any way, we appreciate that. Hope you enjoyed the information. And uh, Bart, Brett, <laughs> I, told, I, said, I said, okay, I can't remember my own name after today. So anyway, I want to thank Bart you. Bart Marcois, it's always yeah, happy. Uh, I'm always happy to talk with you, Chuck. It's one of the delights of uh, of uh, life to to come on with you. Well, and what a nice thing to say. I, I appreciate that very much. I do. Um, and thank you. Thank you all for joining us this morning. And folks, if you enjoyed the show, leave us a good uh, review on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast One. And we'll see you next time on Blunt Force Truth. <laughs> <laughs>